This document serves as the foundation of our government, and we rightly celebrate its anniversary each year with Constitution Day. The Constitution establishes guiding principles that have served our American people very well. The separation of powers, the rule of law, and our system of federalism work together toward the goal of preserving liberty. They have worked to secure individual rights against encroachment by the government. The framers of the Constitution recognized that the government derives its power from the people themselves. The government overturned the prevailing wisdom, or should I say the Constitution overturned the prevailing wisdom that men are made for governments, declaring instead that governments are made for men. These principles and our nation's dedication to them are core to our American ethics. Today, they set our country apart as a symbol of freedom and prosperity across the globe. Hi, I'm Zach, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Craig and Pam. In the opening clip, we heard from former Republican senator from Utah, Orrin Hatch, talking about the principles of government created in the U.S. Constitution and the document's importance. Thank you for joining us as we kick off season number two of the C-SPAN in the Classroom podcast. Today, we go back in time to September 17, 1787, to recognize the day that the delegates to the Constitutional Convention signed the U.S. Constitution, a document that, as Senator Hatch put it, quote, forever altered the course of human history. Formally established in its contemporary form in 2004, Constitution Day is now celebrated in classrooms and communities across the country. And our C-SPAN classroom team is excited to share some of the free video-based teaching resources that we have for you to engage with your students in learning about the U.S. Constitution. After the commercial break, we'll hear from special guest Kathleen Hall Jameson, director of the Annenberg Public Policy Center of the University of Pennsylvania, as she shares insight into the public's knowledge of the U.S. Constitution and why it is important to gain a foundational understanding of the document, especially with Constitution Day on the horizon. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so joining us today to kick off season two of our C-SPAN in the Classroom podcast is Kathleen Hall Jamieson, director of the Annenberg Public Policy Center at the University of Pennsylvania. Kathleen, thank you so much for connecting with us today. It's good to be with you. So to begin, can you tell us a little bit about your role and the mission of the center? Uh, the Annenberg Public Policy Center focuses on a number of topics, but civics among them, and on Constitution Day every year. We try to remind all those who take federal funding for any form of schooling that there is a Byrd Amendment that requires that we teach the Constitution on Constitution Day. And so for Constitution Day yearly, we release a survey that indicates what the public knows about the basic protections, freedoms, rights, and responsibilities in the Constitution. We also manage the um, Annenberg Classroom site, which has no cost 
materials, particularly films on the Constitution, for use for homeschoolers and for schools uh, to teach the major cases that have shaped our understanding of our country and understand how, well, how and why they've changed across time within our framework of government. We also coordinate the Civics Renewal Network, which is CRN, Civics Renewal Network. Um, everybody who's interested in high-quality civics materials, no cost, from the nation's best providers, from Library of Congress to Constitution Center and Justice O'Connor's iCivics and our Annenberg Classroom, should take a look at Civics Renewal Network. They're all there, easily accessible, downloadable, to work with at home or in schools. Yeah, it, Kathleen, in picking up on your civics survey that you pointed out, you know, we understand that the center has been conducting the survey for over 20 years, and we're excited for the release of this year's results on September 13th, just in time for Constitution Day, as you pointed out. But how does your organization approach the structure of the survey? What concepts do you consider as you develop it? When we began developing the survey, um, we talked with Justices Breyer, O'Connor, and Kennedy about the kinds of things that they thought that the nation really needed to understand about the Constitution. And we developed the survey and a series of no-cost books about constitutional matters from that conversation with the justices. And our focus is on the, fun the fundamentals, the things that you we tend to presuppose that people know, but if you don't know them, you don't understand much of what our, how our system works. So we ask such things as, can you name the branches of government? You know, do, do you know what they are, and can you specify them? Uh, we ask, you know, can, you, can you indicate what rights are protected under the First Amendment? Uh, do you, we ask whether they understand how a veto works. What does it take to override a veto? And the reason that we ask those kinds of found, foundational questions is because the if you don't understand the presuppositions of our system, you know, checks and balances, independent judiciary, the kinds of accountability that are built into these structures, and the ways in which we as a citizenry are protected from government, which is largely what the First Amendment does, you know, you're, you're less likely to be able to function well in this system if you want to produce change responsibly. Well, thank you so much for uh, for that very detailed answer about the, the just the fundamentals um, that um, – we oftentimes presuppose that, that people do know. Um, and to that um, uh, d discussion, um, do you have any expectations for this year's survey results? And can you talk about any of the broader trends that you've seen from the survey over time? Well, first, let me, let me mention one more thing that's important about those, fo those foundational concepts. We know that if you get those things wrong, you're more likely to say in our survey that if the Supreme Court issues a series of rulings that you don't like, maybe we should just get rid of the Supreme Court. So there are some predictions from not knowing this that are problematic. In addition to, if you don't know those basic things, you don't know how to engage our governmental structures in order to protect your rights in order to, in order to produce societal change. Now, what have we seen across time? We've seen across time, and this is very interesting from an academic standpoint, that the knowledge isn't stable year to year. And the, so we see rises and falls in the number of people who can name three branches. Uh, but overall, a significant part of the population can't tell us what the three branches of government are. Some years it's higher, some years it's lower. But in general, we're kind of in the 50% range of folks who can't name three branches of government. And part of what that means is that when you get, for example, a controversy such as the ones that we've seen in, in the past years about what it is that the states can do, the federal government can do, what the court can do in relationship to the executive branch, 
those folks who don't know that we have three branches aren't going to be able to make much sense of the news. They also may misplace responsibility for some kinds of action. So one of the things that we're concerned about is if you don't know about checks and balances, you may not understand what the limits are of the powers of each branch, but also what the prerogatives are of each branch. And that can make it more difficult to say, well, I don't like that. I think I should vote my member of Congress out. Or I don't like that. Mm, I think I should vote for a different candidate for president. Or I don't like that. Oh, the president nominates to the Supreme Court. I don't like that decision. Maybe I want a presidential candidate who will nominate candidates who are going to be more consistent with my understanding of the Constitution. So with the Constitution Day being a day of federal observance, and uh, that obviously is recognizing the signing of the U.S. Constitution on September 17th, 1787, uh, linking that with the general importance of civic knowledge like you've talked about and the rights and duties of citizenship, can you talk a little bit more about the, the Byrd Amendment that you referenced before? Yeah, the Byrd Amendment was, is, it doesn't, it, it's one of those wonderful federal moves that didn't carry any resources. It just created a mandate. This was Robert Byrd, a senator who really cared about the Constitution and thought it was appropriate that at least one day a year, those places that take federal funding for some form of education talk about the Constitution in, in, their, in their environments. And so high schools, colleges, you know, middle school schools that take funding um, from any form of, of appropriation um, are supposed to be focusing some time on the Constitution. And his idea was that they probably didn't need resources to do that. Um, and he also didn't put in place a mandate that that would be followed through. That is, there's no way to say, and you didn't do it. And as a result, you're violating the Byrd Amendment. So it became a form of a moral enjoinder with, without actually carrying teeth. But that's good in a democratic system because you'd like people to act because they want to act, not because someone required them to. So in thinking about the significance that you talked about, about the public having this foundational knowledge of the Constitution. Can you talk a little bit about why students and even the media should have that uh, foundational information as well? At the, uh, we, we study media at the Annenberg School and Annenberg Public Policy Center, and I have an enormous amount of respect for what the press does. I mean, overall, in moments of crisis, the press has helped us navigate through on average. So that said, well, we need to look at the press from the perspective of of citizenry that may not understand some things that reporters take for granted. So when reporters write a story about a conflict between the branches and don't indicate what the prerogatives are of each branch, they're presupposing that the public understands checks and balances, and we know roughly half of those in the public on average across our surveys actually probably don't. Uh, when you've got a case in which the, there's a veto and a veto override, not understanding how that process works means that most news stories just simply don't make sense to more than half of the public. So one of the things that we've said to reporters over time is, if you wouldn't mind just spending the extra time to put that parenthetical comment in that indicates what the branch is supposed to be doing, what its prerogatives are constitutionally, if we've got that part of the public that doesn't understand checks and balances or three branches, you're helping them learn. And one of the remarks I made earlier, which is we see changes across time. Some years it's higher, some years it's lower. The years in which knowledge of branches is higher are years in which we have more contest between the branches. So what does that mean? Well, it means that when you've got impeachment processes and you've got you know the, the House Act, the Senate Act, the question is what's going to happen, that stays in news long enough that 
the parts of the public that weren't that aware of what the prerogatives were of the House, the Senate, and the protections of the president to be, from being impeached, they now begin to understand that, oh, we've got three branches. They're more aware of them. And they're also more aware as a result of the interrelationships that make our system function across time, what makes our system resilient. So unfortunately, when you get controversy, which often isn't good for the system as a whole, it is good for democratic knowledge because the amount of news coverage pushes up public understanding. We also saw uh, during the year of protest, the, the, the 2020 year, in which we had a lot of discussions about what protest meant, and protest in many different ways. Then into 2021, you had the protest and or riot and or insurrection at the Capitol. All of that discussion is increasing the likelihood, and we found it in our surveys, that, oh, people recognize that freedom of assembly is there. The question is, do they understand that it's peaceable assembly that's there? And when you had controversies over what the press can do and what government should do with the press, well, suddenly people become more aware that, no, the press has protections in the First Amendment. So when you get periods of controversy and there's a lot of news coverage, we tend to see knowledge increase. I, I definitely think that that, you know, and, and think in my experiences as a middle school social studies teacher, all of what you're saying carries directly into the classroom as well. Um, from the discussion about the topics that are being played out in the news, that teachers are having to uh, assist their students in grappling with a lot of these different discussions, these debates, as they're teaching about the Constitution. So that leads me to, to this question. In thinking about your experiences uh, leading the charge for civic engagement across the United States, how would you say that teachers should support or could support their students in learning about the Constitution? For instance, should they study the text itself? Should they try and apply it to current issues? Should it be a one-day um, uh, experience, as suggested by the Byrd Amendment, or should it be a regular uh, discussion and, and, and debate? I think it should be infused throughout the curriculum, uh, but that Constitution Day should be a focal point in which we, we concentrate more than we ordinarily would as we've infused it out across the curriculum. And one of the important things that we do know about the ways in which we come to be citizens, I mean, we, 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 we have, you know, most of us have birthright citizenship. We were born here. But we become citizens in a way by understanding what our rights, privileges, prerogatives, responsibilities are as citizens of this nation. And to the extent that the only place in which we as a group come together through childhood into early adulthood in order to commonly experience and understand those obligations is the schooling system and the parental engagements at home. We've got two places in which on an ongoing basis we, we should encourage active engagement with the issues of the day. And one of the things that is a problem in the way in which we think about civics, we tend to think about civics in terms of the national government, but we forget that once you understand how the national governmental structures function, you pretty much understand how your state government and local government functions too. So the point of leverage for most people in their lives, their ongoing engagement with government, is not going to be affecting federal change. It's going to be acting in their community. But their understanding Who's the assembly? What's the equivalent of Congress? Who's the executive? What's the equivalent of the president? What's the role of the courts? 
So if you want something changed in your community, understanding where power resides and what the relationships are of the power centers becomes very, very important. So my recommendation as we talk with teachers and as we teach civics is let's find all the ways that we can in which we can engage students and parents and our community in bettering our community, understanding the foundational precepts that pervade our structures at all levels, federal, state, and local. And let's find ways to create not simply understanding and knowledge but constructive engagement. We want people to understand why jury service matters. We want people to understand why voting matters. And we want to make sure that when they are in the structures that, uh, that exercise power that affect their lives, how they can best get the kinds of change peaceably, working with others, exercising their rights of free speech in order to improve their communities and their states and hence the nation. Hey, Kathleen, this has been fantastic, and we want to thank you again for joining us today. wanted to give you also the final words, so any final thoughts or information that you'd like to share? Uh, anybody who's interested in finding the best civics content in the nation at no cost for any use, Civics Renewal Network online, we'd love to have you come online. And for those of you who are interested in following uh, fact-checking of our political discourse, factcheck.org is a project of the Annenberg Public Policy Center. doesn't cost anything to subscribe. would encourage everybody to take a look. Yeah, and we're members of the Civic Renewal Network, too. And uh, again, thank you, Kathleen, so much for joining us today. And that speaks to the high quality and broad reach and scope <laughs> of the Civics Renewal Network. And we're delighted to have you part of the network. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks again. Kathleen talked about the importance of civic knowledge and having a foundational understanding of the Constitution among students, the media, and the public in general. She highlighted the importance of having a day to recognize the United States Constitution, and she also underscored the idea that it be infused into curriculum throughout the school year. One way C-SPAN Classroom can support you and your students is with one of our most popular resources, our Constitution Clips. Here we've taken the text of this founding document and paired it with short video clips from C-SPAN's programming that either explains what a particular provision means or shows an example of it in action. Students can see that shift from learning about this founding document to thinking critically about how current policies or issues relate to it, such as the freedoms in the First Amendment and how they can apply to students in school or even on social media, or with COVID restrictions and the Tenth Amendment. Students are learning about how this document continues to affect them while sharpening their media literacy skills by viewing our primary source videos. Speaking of what we learned in our discussion with Kathleen, uh, once President Ronald Reagan, while speaking to a group of middle school students, emphasized the role that the U.S. Constitution plays in codifying the relationship between government and citizen. Let's listen. The United States is the world's oldest democratic government. And at my age, when I tell you something is the oldest in the world, you can take my word for it. I'm probably talking from personal experience. And it's not just that our government is the oldest of its kind, but that it's based on the world's most revolutionary political idea. You can see that concept in the very first line of our Constitution. And it begins with three simple words. We the people. In other countries, in their constitutions, they all have constitutions, and I've read a great many of them, those other ones. And the difference is so small, but it's found in those three words, because their constitutions are documents by the governments telling the people what they can do. And in our country, 
Our Constitution is by the people, and it tells the government what it can do. This clip, which is part of one of our C-SPAN Classroom Constitution clips that you just mentioned, Pam, is a great way to introduce the first three words of the document, we the people. After viewing this clip, your students can research the differences between the U.S. Constitution and another country's constitution of choice. This would be perfect for our AP Comparative Government teacher friends. Or, since we're still relatively early in the school year, this clip could even help you set the stage for your students to develop a classroom constitution, where you and your students model the principles of civic engagement in class each day with rules and procedures that are developed among everyone in the classroom. Um, Craig or Pam, do you have any other C-SPAN classroom resources that you'd like to share? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you're an educator and you're looking for activities to engage your students, be sure to check out the list of resources we have posted on the podcast page. Uh, just to name a few, we have a lesson that features a virtual scavenger hunt, and uh, that's for students to find clips explaining constitutional provisions or explanations of foundational concepts. So for the scavenger hunt, your students can search the Constitution Clips page that Pam just mentioned, uh, and there they'll find and summarize specific provisions within the hundreds of clips that we provide on that page. Or they can search our entire archives at cspan.org to find their own videos and create their own clips from our full-length programming. Uh, we also have a bingo game that is created using Google Slides, so you can easily make a copy and modify that according to your needs. Uh, Pam, since you developed that, that bingo game, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Sure. As you mentioned, Craig, it's our Bill of Rights bingo board game, and the goal is to have students match words, phrases, and concepts with the correlating amendment in the Bill of Rights. So they list the amendments, numbers 1 through 10, on the board, and from the list of terms that we have, including the freedoms, the right to bear arms, due process, etc., students can mark their board with a red chip to the related number. Now you can take it a step further and add Supreme Court cases that relate to an amendment as well. So you can really customize it. And then as a culminating activity and to wrap it all up, students can choose an one of the following activities. They could explain which amendment in the Bill of Rights is the most important in their view. Or they could propose a new amendment to the United States Constitution and explain why they think it should be added. Or finally, they could explain which amendment should be eliminated from the Constitution in their view. Yep, so fun activities and uh, other activities we've heard from teachers over the years. We've heard that folks have conducted mock constitutional conventions where they've had their students play different roles from the delegates from the 13 states and uh, have their students give opening and closing statements based on the positions that uh, those delegates took during the convention. Other teachers have had their students draft a constitution for their actual classroom. Uh, so it's another way for them to consider the role of deliberation and compromise in creating something that reflects their views. So if you're searching for additional ideas, um, the featured resources linked at the top of our C-SPAN Classroom homepage has a collection of additional resources under the Constitutional Foundations and Principles of Government subject. Also includes resources for teaching the Constitution, checks and balances, federalism, and much, much more. Highlighted by an interview with Kathleen Hall Jamison, director of the Annenberg Public Policy Center of the University of Pennsylvania, this week's episode about Constitution Day featured the importance of the U.S. Constitution including historical and current trends of public knowledge about the founding document, and it also offered practical ideas for teaching about the Constitution and celebrating Constitution Day in your classroom. We hope that you will use each of these resources, the interview, the podcast, to launch a discussion with your students on the importance of civic understanding and engagement.
Just as a final reminder, you can access all of these free resources and more at cspan.org slash classroom. And all of the resources that we've discussed in this episode are posted in the podcast section on our featured resources site. If you're looking for timely updates on everything we do at, as the education team here at C-SPAN, consider signing up for our weekly newsletter to educators and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at C-SPAN Classroom. If you're a teacher and would like to connect with our team to learn more about our resources, again, please email us anytime at educate at cspan.org. And that's it for this week. Join us next time as we recognize the 65th anniversary of the integration of the Little Rock Central High School following the Brown versus Board of Education Supreme Court decision. Until then, thank you again for joining us.